Well, we've been making our way through Matthew uh, for a, a little while, and last week we were in Matthew chapter 19, and we were actually taking a look last week of the uh, inter- interchange or the, the inter- interaction there with what other gospel writers refer to as a rich young ruler and uh, coming to Jesus and asking what good thing he needed to do to gain eternal life. And in a message that I entitled last week, what would you give for eternal life? Or what would you not be willing to give up for eternal life? And we, we watched the interchange and the disciples were around. And we watched as Jesus narrowed it down to his great possessions and uh, uh, covetousness or greed. And so Jesus said, hey, if you really want to have eternal life, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And we looked at that, and we saw in verse 22 of chapter 19 that the Scripture says that this, this rich young man who, who looked like he had it all, the blessings of God was, was surely upon uh, all his, his work endeavor, all his investments returned great dividends. He was a man of moral character. He was a leader in the community. And uh, the disciples were surely looking and thinking, man, he, he, could, uh, you know, he could be the chairman of the deacons. Look at this guy. But Scripture says that he left sorrowful because he had great possessions. And then Jesus began sharing with his disciples how difficult it would be for those who trust in their own uh, merits and trust in their own righteousness, trust in their own goodness, trust in their own provision to trust in him. And so with that, the disciples said, well, then it's impossible. Jesus says, well, with man, this would be true, but with God, all things are possible. That was in verse 26, where we stopped last week. I want to pick up with verse 27. And Peter, again, speaks, and he speaks uh, uh, quickly. And he says something that, uh, if I'm the other disciples, I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. I didn't, know you could, I didn't know you could ask this. What's he doing? But Peter then responds to Jesus. Peter and the disciples had been there. They had seen. They had heard. And then Peter says, hey, behold, we have forsaken all and followed you. What shall we have, therefore? Peter said, look, we've left everything. You asked this guy to, to go sell what he had and follow you, and he left because he wouldn't do it. But we've left everything. Matthew's left his career. I left my fishing boat, left the nets, left all this. What's in it for us? You've got to be kidding. I didn't know you could ask Jesus that. And I'm sure the disciples were there. They probably stepped back a little bit, and uh, Peter's on his own. Yeah, you know, I can't believe. Now, they may, have, they may have wondered this among themselves, but Peter asked it. Then Jesus says to the disciples in verse 28, Verily I say unto you that you which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, Judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You've got to be kidding me. 
Now, that's just not fair. That is, 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 is just not fair. Peter, I get amazed to hear it, 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 it when he says this, we've forsaken all. For some, that was great. Matthew, that was a big deal. Peter, the nets, fishing business, stinky nets that's tearing up all the time, having to clean all the time. But it, but it makes us sound, we've left everything. What's in it for us? And then Jesus tells them this story about forsaking everything, and he tells them that the last for with many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Now, if you've watched kids play for any length of time, and I love watching kids play, especially when somebody else is responsible for them, uh, and listen. But if you've watched them play for any length of time and listened to them, you're going to hear somebody say, it ain't fair. It ain't fair. That's cheating. You can't do it that way. And then if you have been around a while and you listen to the sages of life, you're apt to hear this expression, life ain't fair. Life ain't fair. Now, I know for English majors, that's difficult hearing it that way. Uh, I know grammatically, uh, and, but, but usually we, by the time we say that, it's, uh, you, you know, we've done forgot life isn't fair, honey. Uh, it just ain't fair. It just ain't fair. Now, I think I've got it together. I, I mean, I understand, especially in our walk with the Lord, that God deals with us after his mercy and after his grace. And, and I think I attribute this to Pastor Darrell because he's always saying, talking about mercy and grace. And he's reminding us that God dealing with after his mercy is that God is not giving us what we deserve. That's mercy. Not giving us what we deserve. Instead, he deals with us with grace. And grace, Pastor Darrell, my authority on this, grace is give God giving us what we do not deserve. Now, I understand that. So I got it. So I think I've got this thing about fair. It's down. It's no big deal. And then there is the drive-through lanes at McDonald's in town. Uh, now, now, I want to tell you, if you, if, if Blairsville, if you, if you never, you need to check this thing out. They're, they're, you drive up and they have two places to take your order. But you're supposed to stop back here just a little ways. There's a single arrow. And then you get there and the arrow divides. And that means when you get to that divided arrow, you're supposed to go either to the first place where you can take your order or go up there to the second place to take your order. Um, there, there is just, first of all, you're supposed to wait till you get the arrow. I've been sitting there before. Have you ever been sitting there? And somebody come whizzing around me and get up here in this other one. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? But the thing that, that, where God spoke to me the most and the thing that just ain't fair at all is, all right, I'm behind a red pickup and I'm, and I'm next and behind me is a white van and there's a string of cars and we're waiting and, and sure enough, we're waiting to get there and we get to there, the red pickup goes up here and I go into the empty one next one here, the red pickup's in front of me, I'm here, the van behind me swallowed the red pickup. And I go there and I hear the, the person taking this red pickup's order. And there's nobody talking to me. 
out of this box that's there. There's nobody. And I wait, and, and, and they take the pickup truck order, and they tell him how much it's going to be, and the red pickup comes on in front of me. And, I'm, and, I'm, and, I, and so I do what any sensible, sane person would do. I start talking to the box. Hey, <laughs> hey, is there anybody there? I'm looking at the box, but I, I know I'm trying to talk to whoever's supposed to. They're not even answering me. And the red truck's gone, the van is unpulled up, and she's talking to the van. And they've not even said howdy to me yet. <laughs> have, you done, have you ever done that? I, I mean, I'm there. I'm there. And then, and then finally the, the, the person comes on and says, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, pardon me. And, but, but, but I want to say the van's going on. The van that was behind me is going on. I know we got, I know we're here now. We got it. Man. Man, that's not fair. There's a rule in, in business there for this. It's called FIFO, first in, first out. And there's an order to that, right? There's an order to that. The world's supposed to operate in order and fairness. First in, first out. That's the way we expect things to happen. And, and Peter is saying here to the Lord, hey, we've left everything and followed you. Now, what, what's in it for us? And then Jesus talks about forsaking everything, but then Jesus pulls this, the first shall be last and the last shall be first thing. And I'm thinking, he's never waited in line at a McDonald's. <laughs> but the problem with that is I had read this scripture before the line at McDonald's. And it's like the Lord is saying, you thought you wanted to talk about fair? You want to preach a message on it ain't fair? Well, look how you're acting. And I want to say, but, 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 you know, I want to do that. Now, I, I love it. And those of you know, my, know Barbie, and she's by far the, the, you don't get a lot of amens on this, but she's by far the better one. Well, this morning we were talking, and, and something had happened, and, and uh, we, were, we were working on an issue, not between us, but something, and somebody was supposed to, something that's supposed to take care of, supposed to be doing, and, and we're getting last-minute changes and all this. And, and Barbie is just, and she said, man, they could have done this, they could have done that. And she was right. She was right on target. And she was just, she was going, and finally she just looked over at me and she said, I guess I've just got a critical attitude. And I looked at her and I said, fight that thing, baby, fight that thing. <laughs> now, I know the next time we go through McDonald's, because she's looked at me, I know she's going to say, fight that thing, honey, fight that thing. <laughs> Don't worry about that being fair. But I want to talk, because Jesus continues the story with his disciples. We end at verse 19, but he continues on. Verse, verse, chapter 20 says, far. And, and it means he's connecting this to what he's saying. The first shall be last, the last first. Peter, uh, listen, you're not going to give up anything here except what... It's a far greater eternal value is waiting you. But I want to tell you something. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is like a, uh, King James says a householder. I think the better translation is a landowner, right? Large translations that say landowner there in chapter 20, verse 1. It's like a landowner. Now, remember, Jesus is telling the story, but the story is for us about his kingdom. And it's about our relationship with him. And he's telling us this story to see and to understand that grace ain't fair. Grace is not fair. 
The world says the last shall be last, the first shall be first because they got there early and they deserve to be first. But as we examine this story this morning, examine it with me. He says the the kingdom of heaven, he says, is like a, a landowner. And he needs some help with his vineyard. Grapes are ripe and he's needing to harvest them or he's needing to prune them or something there. He's got a lot of work that needs to be done. And so verse 2 says that he's agreed with the laborers for a penny a day. And he sends them into the vineyard. Now, that's King James. Other translations are going to have what? Denarius. I don't know what a denarius is. I don't think I've ever had one. Anybody got a, anybody got a, you got a new living or what does it say? A normal daily wage. I don't know. Let's, now, a long time ago, it was a $20. I remember when the new living Bible said $20. But let's just say today, let's say you're making $10 an hour, eight hours. So he agreed with the first workers. Now, these guys, though, were probably going to work at six and work until six. So it's 12 hours. Let's round it off. I can't do 120. Let's just say 100 bucks. Okay. Good day's wage. And so they agree. There's a contractual agreement in verse 2. And, they, and he says, hey, if, you, if I'm going to pay you a good day's wage. And they say, yep, that's a good day's wage. We will give you an honest day's work for that. We'll, for $100 a day, we're gonna, we'll work hard. So he sends them out to the vineyard. They go to work early. And verse 3 says, then he goes out about 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock, he goes back into town. And he sees others standing idle in the marketplace. Now look at verse 4 and look at this. And he says to them, you want to work? They say, yeah. And he said, well, go in the vineyard. And whatsoever is right, I will give you. Now, they didn't agree on a price here, did he? He didn't say, I'll pay you $100. First one knew what he was going to get, right? $100. I'm going to give you $100 worth of work, too. This one, he just says, what's right? So they are trusting the character of the landowner. Now, I look at this because we need to know, understand who the landowner is in this story. Okay? But he tells them at 9 o'clock, you want to work? Yeah, boy. All right, get out there to the vineyard, and, and, and at quitting time, I'll pay you whatever, whatsoever's right. And they go. Then, verse 5 says, he goes out at, at dinner time, at lunch, and he even goes back out at 3 o'clock in the evening and did the same thing. Now, these others have been out there working nine hours. Some of them been working six, some of them been working three, but he comes back in with a pickup bed full of workers and they go to work. That's not all. About the 11th hour, that's five o'clock in the evening, okay? It's an hour to quitting time. He goes back into town and he finds other men standing there idle and he says to them, why, what have you been doing all day? And they said, nobody hired us. And he says to them in verse seven, Go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. And they go. Now, here are the guys that's been working 11 hours. Here's some of them that's been working eight. Some of them been working five. Some of them been working uh, two. But here comes more workers, more workers. And, 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 and they're just coming in. By the time the last ones get there and by the time they get to the vineyard and somebody tells them what they got to do and shows them how to do it, they're not, they're not, they ain't even breaking a sweat. And here these others have been there all day long. Now the story up to this point is sounding pretty good. But look what happens. 
So when Quentin time came, 6 o'clock, verse 8, the Lord of the, har- of the of vineyard, or the landowner, said to his steward, uh, the one who's, who's going to pay him, call the laborers and pay them their wages. Now look at this. Beginning with the last and then go to the first. Why in the world would he do it that way? So the steward does. Verse 9. And verse 9 says, And when they came that were hired, that those that had been there since 5 o'clock, they come in line, and here the steward got laid down a $100 bill. Man, they'd never been paid $100 for an hour's work in their life. Thank you. Man, we love you. Great. You got any more work for us to do? Call us. This We're going to leave our number. Those that had worked for three hours come up. A hundred dollar bill. Now they could have been thinking, "Well, you paid the last is a hundred dollars," but he said he'd pay us whatever's right. Is that right? That's more than right. But he does this, and they're all watching. All of them are watching in line, and they're murmuring, and it's coming back in the line. And Tommy gets there. They're the ones that he hired first, been there all day long, and endured the heat, endured, and worked the hardest, blisters on their hands, and he gets to them. And how much did he give them? $100 bill. That's what they had agreed to, right? They are the only ones that knew what they were getting. The rest of them, it was just simply by faith. We're going to trust the landowner. He's good. Well, that had paid off so far really good. But look at verse 10. When the first, when the first came, they thought they had been watching what's going on, and they figured by now, hey, he's up the ante, and we're surely going to get more. And when they didn't receive more, They got upset. Verse 11 says, and they murmured against the landowner. Well, he's a crook and a scoundrel. I can't believe he'd do that to us. I can't believe he'd treat us that way. We gave him a good day's work. And they said, these last have worked one hour. You made them equal with us in pay. And we've been out here all day long in the heat of the day. Verse 13 But he answered one of them and said, friend, I didn't do you wrong. Didn't you agree to work for me for $100 a day? Well, yeah. Then why are you so bent out of shape? Well, because you look at these others. Did did I I short your wage? Am I not paying you what I told you? But that's not the thing about it. It ain't fair. It just is not fair. And I look, and I figure, I saw what you was paying the others, so I figured if you're paying them that much and they didn't work any more than that, then surely you're going to pay me more. I've done more. The kingdom of heaven doesn't make sense from an earthly viewpoint. It's not fair. Now, who's the landowner in the story? Hmm? Jesus, God, he says, uh, take what's yours and go your way. I'll give unto this last like I will you. It's not lawful for me to do with my what I want to do. Is your eye evil because I am good? And then he says this same thing again. So the last shall be first and the first last 
Many called, but few chosen. Wow. Our salvation is not fair. It's not fair. I mean, you, you, you consider it and look at it. The creator of the universe, the creator of the universe, there in the beginning, and with God the Father, Jesus, they speak into being and create everything. Then God says, okay, who's going to do this? And Jesus takes on human flesh and blood and comes to earth as a baby born of a virgin. Why does he take on? Why does he put on human flesh and blood? Why? To redeem us. And he does that so that he can hurt like we hurt. Suffer like we suffer. Feel like we feel. When you are rejected, Jesus was rejected. Jesus' brothers and sisters didn't even believe he was the Messiah until after his resurrection. Now, Mary knew. But there's one time Jesus was ministering, and he was telling people he was a Messiah, and some of his family came and tried to get him away and said, well, he's, you know, he, he just had a rough lunch, a rough supper. He probably, you, you don't want to say that to him. You don't want to tell him that. Come on, come up back home. He understood. He understands. Not only understands, when he died, he bled blood like we bleed. He hurt like we hurt. Yet there was one thing that's tremendously different. And he said, our redemption. Scripture says that Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we could receive the righteousness of God. That ain't fair. But that's grace. That's marvelous, wondrous grace that God would come in flesh and blood and that he would die on the cross and take our sins upon himself so that he then could give us freely his righteousness. It was his to give and he can give it to us. And not only that, he can give us life everlasting and heaven to boot. The thief, thanks about it. There were two thieves that were crucified that day when Jesus died on the cross. And scripture tells us that they were one was on each side of him. And one thief, as they laid there in agony, knowing that this was their last, this is, they were dying. They were being executed slowly, painfully. This is it. And one of them says, hey, look, if you really are who you say you are, why don't you get, get, get down and get us down from here? Just speak the word. Wipe them out, man. Let's go. This ain't fair. The other thief, Scripture tells us, Looked at him and said, hey, look, you want to talk about fair? You and I are getting what we deserve. But this man has done no sin. This man has not broke a law. He's dying unfairly. And he looks to Jesus and he, 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 he says, I want you to remember me today when you come to your kingdom. And what does Jesus say to him? What's say? Today what? Today you're going to be with me in paradise. You got to be kidding me. He had, he had lived a criminal's life. He had broken the law. No telling who he'd hurt, what a string of, of wrecked uh, uh, lives and relationships in his past. And now, on, not on his deathbed, but on his death cross, Jesus says to him, hey, I'll give you eternal life. I'll forgive you. I give you forgiveness. I give you eternal life. I give you heaven. That ain't fair. 
But praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It ain't fair. We, you know, somebody was talking this morning about fair, what's fair and what's not fair, and mercy and grace, and somebody said, yeah, and justice. Justice is what we always want for the other person, but not for us. You know? If, we, if justice was deemed out eternally, then the Scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the result of that, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Is death. So we've all earned and deserve this, this separation from God, this death that Scripture talks about. Because there's none of us that are righteous. Matter of fact, a few verses before that, in, in verse 10 of chapter 3 of Romans, it says, For there's none righteous, no, not one. Now, what's he saying? He's not saying there's not any good people. He's just saying there's, no, there's nobody that's good enough. You see, righteous, righteousness speaking of being good enough. And Scripture wants us to understand, like the rich young ruler, the rich young ruler was a good man, had done good things. He'd been intentional about living his life the best he could. But he wasn't good enough because there was still one thing lacking. And that was to be able to trust Christ completely. And now Jesus, with his disciples, is talking to them about trusting him, following him. And knowing that those who come in at the last hour can receive of him, of, the, of a benevolent Lord and Savior, just as much as those who have been living all their lives. Grace, mercy. I shared, the, it, it, I shared this morning in first service a story, and, and this parable so illustrates um, the unfair nature of God's salvation. Uh, Max Nicholson, Nicholson Farm Road, and... Uh, New Max. Max was a retired military guy. Nothing, nothing against that. There's a lot of good things about that. But as such, Max, was, he was very uh, ordered, strict, disciplined that way, uh, expected out of others. But Max was, a self, Max was a self-made man. He didn't need the Lord. He, matter of fact, only, he never came to church here. The only time I ever remember Max being in church when we did his funeral. And he didn't want to talk about the Lord. Try to talk to him about, about the, Jesus and about being saved. Didn't need that. And then came the diagnosis and Max was faced with something he couldn't fix. He was terminal. He couldn't fix it. He had fixed everything else in his life. He had been able to fix or to figure out a way to deal with it. But all of a sudden confronted with this, there was... There was and Max welcomed me. I remember sitting with him. And he wanted to know about it. He wanted to hear about it. And as he, as he listened and as he heard about with tears in his eyes, he said, I've wasted my life. Will he forgive me now? What do you say? No, you've been bad all that. No, you say, yes. Yes. It's all yours. It's all yours. And as he prayed and asked Christ into his heart and lived a few more days, but listen, it's all his. That's grace. It ain't fair, but it's God's way of loving us. Now, I want to just share, wrap up here with, with, with a thought and a couple of ideals, or not ideals, but thoughts on that. Because I know how people think I are one, okay? I am one. Now, my grandkids... 
just think I'm an old man. But, but one time I was young, okay? Some of you, some of you can relate to that. Um, so I know you're talking about this, and there are people that say, okay, okay, I understand that. But why, if I, and I'm going to give my life to the Lord someday, okay? But I don't want to give my life to the Lord. I'm only 18 years old, Jerry. I am graduating from high school. I am getting ready to party hardy and to be my own dad, Jim Boss, in my life. Don't burden me with Jesus now. And they're, and, and they're, and they're planning, they'll, I, someday, someday, I will, someday I'm going to get, I'll, I'll do this thing with Jesus, and I'll, and I'll do that. I'll give my life to him. And, I, I know, and I've run across a lot of people, and maybe you have, that have planned someday that they were going to start living for the Lord. Someday when they got it all together or whatever that means, someday they were going to start, they were going to get their kids in church or they were going to do this or they were going to do that. And I really believe there may be a few people who really honestly, I remember sometimes people say, well, I don't, I don't even know if I believe that there is a God or if I believe there's a heaven. There may be a few like that, but I think down deep almost everybody is hopes there's a heaven. Their hopes are, they, they hope there's a place that's better than this. And I really believe that most of them intend someday to give their heart to the Lord. And they intend someday to, to, to begin this relationship with Christ. There's only one problem with that thinking. And that thinking is, if I can, if a jury... If, if he waited till five o'clock and they got worked one hour, why would I, I can do this and I'll, and I'll go grab all the gusto I can, but before I die, I'll make things right with God. There's only one problem with that. What is it? We don't know when we're going to die. All of us aren't promised. I looked at Max, one of the, one of the most merciful things or one of the, the most gracious things in Max's life was one of the things that we would think was the craziest. But that was when God allowed him to have this time to come to a place where I, was, I can't fix this. All my life I've been a fixer and I can't fix it. I need somebody. Is there somebody that can fix it? We don't know. Somebody told me this morning that a lot of people have planned to get saved the 11th hour, but the problem was they died the 10th. You say, Pastor, that's morbid. That's not morbid. That's just the way human nature. And if Satan can get you to, to postpone or not think about it, sometimes, sometimes, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted him, most likely there have been times when God has dealt with you and you've thought, yeah, I need to do that. And I'll do that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll get in the Word. Maybe I'll talk to somebody and I'll do that. Now, there's a reason that, that the prophet Isaiah writing in the first chapter and writing as God spoke, would say these words, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. When? Now. Now's the time. When, God is, when God's word and when God's Holy Spirit is speaking to you, when God's word is making sense to you, and you understand clearly that you need to do this, the prophet says, Come now and let's reason together, says the Lord. I want to tell you something. It's the most reasonable thing in the world. This is, this, is the, this is the deal. Okay, it's not a deal, but just allow me a little leeway here. This is a deal. He says if we come to him 
and give him our lives and, and, and surrender the rest of our lives, that he will take my, all my guilt, all my sin, all my disobedience, all the ugly things I've done, all the nasty things I've done, those that maybe some people know about, maybe a lot of them that they don't know about, and that he will forgive those. Good deal. Dennis, good deal. And he'll not only forgive those, he will wash us and cleanse us, and he will give to us eternal life in all of heaven. That is a good deal. No wonder Jesus would say, or God would say here, come now, let's, let's reason about this thing. Have you reasoned about it? Have you reasoned that God loves you and that he really does love you? You say, ah, oh, he just loves the good people. No. No, Scripture says that God demonstrated his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. He loves me. In all my ugliness, Jesus loved me. In all your ugliness, Jesus loved you. We don't get good enough to go get a hug from him. He just comes where we are and loves us and said, hey, I love you enough. I've died for you. Let's deal with this. Come now, says the Lord. Let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. When? Now. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. When? Now. Oh, my friend. I'm completely convinced that hell is inhabited by many people that never intended to go there, but that was planned on being saved one day, but they just put it off today. Don't be one of those. Please don't be one of those. One more reason not to put it off. This grace, receiving this gift of grace, this eternal life, that is God's to give. That is Jesus to give. And that is offering. And he's saying the first shall be last and the last first. And and you don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you because I want to if you will receive it. This gift of a relationship with him. It's enjoying that relationship. It's kind of hard to explain. It's like trying to tell somebody how good ice cream is if they've never tasted it. Remember, we were in, uh, Barbie and I were, were living in inner city San Francisco, and we had a, a group of high school, junior high uh, students, uh, and they were all colors and more nationalities than I know. And uh, we were going to plan a Saturday to take them over uh, across, the, uh, across the, the Bay Bridge over into the East Bay. And, and uh, I don't even remember the name of the park, but we were going to have a cookout and Barbie, we had our homemade ice cream, our ice cream machine, and she was going to make homemade ice cream. We were going to make homemade ice cream. And, and, and I don't think there was a kid there that had ever eaten homemade ice cream. They had ice cream, but they had never churned it and they'd never eaten it. And I'm, and I'm thinking, there's no way. So we had to get that, the barbecue got that thing out. She put this, she already had stuff mixed up. She had it in there and then she put the salt and the ice and they grind it and they grind it and grind it. And when she pulls the lid off of that thing and you could see them and, and, they would t- and they'd take their finger and start, and you could see, then they knew how good homemade ice cream was. Well, that's like trying to tell somebody how good the relationship with Jesus Christ is. There's just, it's almost indescribably good until you know him as Lord. So the other reason why I would say don't put it off is because I, the relationship with him, you go through rough times? Absolutely. Every one of us here are going to have hard times. Some of us are going to have real hard times. We're going to have things we have to deal with. 
But for those who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he has promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He will be with us through those. And it's a journey you want to, you want to be a part of. That's it. I've, God's gift of salvation ain't fair. It's grace. It's grace. Have you accepted that gift? Let's pray. Father, what a, what a powerful interchange Jesus had with his disciples. And Lord, what a, what a um, powerful experience. Here was a man that they thought surely he would follow the invitation and, be, and follow Christ. And yet here's a man that had everything seemingly, and he leaves sorrowful because he's got more than he wants to give up. And so when Peter asked, what's in it for, for us? Jesus gives him this parable and just says, hey, it's all mine to give, and I'm a gracious Lord. I'm a gracious benefactor, and I'll do more than what's fair. I'll deal with you through, through grace. Can you trust me? Can you trust me? Father, it's my prayer that those here this morning that have never trusted you for salvation, that as your Holy Spirit speaks now, that they would realize I've put this off too often, too many times, and I'm not promised tomorrow, I'm not wanting to be morbid, but Pastor Jerry and God's Word says now is the time. So God, now... I need you to come into my life. And if that's you, right where you are, you're welcome to come to the altar. Are you welcome just to, to pray and cry out to God and say, I, I need you in my life, God. I need a Savior. I don't just need you to be a fixer and to fix up my messes and then let me go back and mess them up again. But I need you to come in and change my whole want-tos and attitudes because I need you to give me a new heart. As a new creation in Christ. Your grace looks so good to me. Scripture says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, so no one can boast. Right where you, right where you are, ask Him, Come into my life, Lord. Make me yours. Father, I'm so glad. That as we look into your word and as we open your word, that your word is, is a confirmation over and over and over and over and over again of your love and of your mercy and of your goodness. And so, Father, we understand that no one will be able to stand up in the day of judgment and blame you. That no one, Lord, that you have to say, I'm sorry, you, you, you can't come here because you never received my gift will not be able to look at you and blame you. So this morning, we thank you for dealing with us clearly and lovingly. Now, Father, those who have given their heart to you this morning, I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would grow them. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, this is not saving you. This, I'm asking if you prayed that prayer and asked the Lord in your heart, 
not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. And this is a first step of acknowledging, hey, I just made a commitment in my heart to the Lord. And it's real. I want you to know that. Just raise your hand up and put it right back down. See those hands? I want to pray. Others that need to do that, rejoice with the Lord. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for dealing with us after your grace. Now, Father, these new brothers and these new sisters in Christ, (laughs) wow, just as much a part of the family as if they had done this 80 years ago. Missed a lot, but now they're with you. And we praise you for that in Christ's name. Amen.